Every man has to come to that battleground of self-identity, fighting against the man he does not want to be, Goliath, or the man society and religion is forcing him to be, Saul. The Bible says David took off the armor of Saul and drew near to Goliath. He chose five smooth stones from a river. He used one. How many are there? bless you <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the last one it's your brother brother Caleb the way of the Philistine versus the way of the wilderness where are you where are you at are you in the way of the wilderness or are you in the way of the Philistine something that I did not mention before when you go back to the Exodus chapter 13, it says, if you walk the way of the Philistine, it says the people is going to repent. That word repent is they're going to regret. They're going to see war and they're going to return back to Egypt. That's important. If you walk the way of the Philistine, you're going to end up going back to Egypt. Egypt has two meanings. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, it calls Egypt the house of bondage. So if you keep a grudge, you'll be in bondage for the rest of your life. If you keep old hatred, you'll be in bondage forever. Your time in bondage is parallel to how long you keep that old grudge for in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 7 it gives us another definition of Egypt look at this for the Egyptian shall help in vain and to no purpose you ever had a friend or someone you talk to someone you pour out to about your issues and it's like you're talking to a brick wall it's like in vain they can't help you there's no purpose to what you're doing in that conversation talking to them they're not going to help you it says their strength is to sit still you see when you go back into bondage that bondage will make you stagnant that bondage will keep you in the same place still. The way of the Philistine to hold a grudge forever is to put you in a bondage where you never grow. You had a standstill for your whole life. This is why this is so critical. Because forgiveness and healing 
is nothing to do with them, but it's everything to do with you. While you're waiting for them, you is waiting on you. Because you cannot go far if you do not take yourself there. Stop waiting on someone to come and say, I'm sorry to move. Stop waiting for someone to apologize to grow. It's not dependent on them. It's dependent on where you're at. Egypt. A bondage to stand still. Their strength is to act like they can help you. But they really don't. The way of the wilderness is, it's to humble you. It's to see if you love God. Now, the way of the Philistine is to rob you of loving God. A lot of people, they look healed. They look like they're okay. But they're hiding in the comfort of solitude. They're not progressing in life. And even if they are moving on as far as getting a degree, getting married, getting another job, buying a house, as a person, they haven't grown. Then you get into a house and you have a family. If you're not careful, you can bring the dirt, the sand, the earth of Philistine into your home. Then all your, your children is playing on the land of the Philistines. Natural things does not remove you from an emotional and spiritual condition. Only in the spirit. That's why in the way of the wilderness, God has have something else. Not that you won't get hurt there. Not that things cannot happen to you that won't hurt you there. But God is with you. You see, I want to spend time on, on the two things. Your garment will not get old and your shoes will not. they not get too big. Then They will not outgrow you. I want you to understand this. What does clothes mean in the Bible? When Jesus with his disciples, this came to my mind right now, he gave them an order. He says, take a staff, take a bag. He says, take one garment. He, he said, make sure you don't take two. He says, take one garment. Why would Jesus say take one garment? Because he did not want them to have an option if their clothes got dirty to go in, just change outfits. No, he didn't want them to have an option to do something else, to change to something else. He wanted them, if their clothes was dirty, to do what? Stop, clean it, and put it back on. If you felt dirty, it wasn't just put something else on that's going to make you feel clean. No, it's clean what you have. You see, one of the things that our generation is failing at is maintenance. We love new things, new ideas. Matter of fact, when David was coming back with the Ark of Covenant, the Bible says that David put the Ark on a new cart. 
we'll come back to that. You have to wonder, hold on, where did they get that idea of putting the ark on a cart? Because before the ark, the glory of God was not carried on an ark. I mean, it was not carried. Because back then, the ark was not carried on any type of cart. It was carried on the shoulders of the priest. Where did David learn that putting the ark on a new cart from the Philistines? We'll come to that another day when we get to David's story. My God, that's beautiful. Our generation wants to do something new. It's not about doing something new all the time. But in the old, maintaining and keeping it as if it was new. It's not about getting a new car. It's not about changing the body to be new. It's keeping the body old. But a new oil change. New tires. Make it look new. It's building the first century church in the 21st century. It's not starting over from scratch. You see, Jesus wanted the disciples to learn when your clothes is dirty, make it look new. The Bible talks about these men in the book of Revelations that their robes were dirty. He says, you know what they did? They washed it in the blood of the lamb. That's what we have to do as a generation. Make it new. Restore. Rebuild. Recreate. Renew. In the valley. Religion is doing something new. Religion is not a place. It's a spirit of confusion to always, ah, this didn't work, some, try something new. This didn't work, try something new. And they don't learn from what they've done before. But salvation with the, the Hebrews is old customs, old land, but a new way of walking. The same land, new. Jesus wanted disciples to learn how to clean, how to clean what they already had. You see garments in the Bible, garments in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, it represents charity, represents love. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, Apostle Paul says, put on or clothe yourself. French says, revêtez-vous, meaning to put on, to clothe yourself. So the King James says, put it on. Some translate that as put it on as muscle. <laughs> I like that. But we're taught that put it on as a garment. We, I can teach both. But for the context of what I need, I want to teach as, as a garment. Put on charity. You see, when you're in the desert, in the way of the wilderness, one thing that will should and will never get old and you should not allow to get old is your love. I'm going to get to something else. Jesus says in the book of Matthew, iniquity will abound. Wickedness will abound because the love of many is wax cold. They're getting old. The garment is getting old. 
Here's why this is very, very critical. I want to get to something deep to connect this. The way of the wilderness. First Corinthians chapter 13. It is a chapter about charity and love. Charity is not how the world does it, where it's you give to the misfortunate. And people clap for you for how much you give. It's not a charity or charity case. Charity in the world is giving to others that are less. Charity in the Bible is dealing with dying to yourself in order to give to others. It's not about giving to others to be lifted up in yourself. It's not an arrogance, but it's a humility. Is as I die to love this person. Is as I die to care for this person. That's charity. Charity in the world is focused on what you're giving for the other person. Charity in the Bible is what you're dying to for the other person. Here's what it says. In verse 5. Charity does not behave itself unseemingly. Hmm. Charity does not seek her own. Here's the part that I want. Charity is not easily provoked. Charity does not think evil. The ESV says that love is not resentful and love is not irritable very important we're in the way of the wilderness why is the lord telling them for your love why is the lord telling them for your love not to get old because he knows it's going to be hurt but if they allow the hurt to rob them of who they're called to be, then they will become numb and they will no longer have love inside of them. You see, when you're resentful, that means that you're counting all the offense that has happened in your life. You're counting all the wrongdoings. You're gonna get hurt. You've already been hurt. But are you going to be in the land of the Philistines or be in the land of the wilderness? In the land of the wilderness, you're getting hurt, but your reaction to the hurt is different. Because if you're not careful, that one hurt will be a ripple effect. It will make you be resentful to others. It will make you be, it will allow you, it's going to make you irritable. Some people are quickly offended. That comes from uh, trying to protect yourself from not getting hurt again. So anything someone says, even if it's as a joke, you're like, hold on, what? You're quickly reminded of what happened. And this is what God is saying to be careful of. 
And then because you're going through this and like you're quickly offended, you're, you're, you're resentful, you're irritable, and it happens so frequent, happens so much, you know, like forget this thing called love. And then you become, you, as what you do to protect yourself, you make yourself numb so that you don't feel anything. I want you to know, if you numb your heart to not feel pain, you won't just numb your heart to a certain person, but you'll numb your heart to everyone. I learned this from a good friend of mine. She was talking to me and she said, um, yo, I made my heart numb towards this person. And she was telling me, yo, Caleb, don't, don't do what I did. I'm like, why? She said, because I'm trying to love again and I can't. I was like, no, but I need to numb it so I don't feel it. It's like, no, but if you don't realize if you numb it, if you numb yourself, if you train your heart, your mind to be numb, it's not going to be compartmentalized. It's actually going to be unto everyone, to your husband, to your wife, to your children, to your pastor, to the people that actually love you. You won't know how to love them properly. Because you're still in defense and protective mode. And your heart does not know how to unnumb itself. Because it doesn't have any more feeling. That thing hit me. As long as you still can feel, there is still hope. Love, true love, is not resentful. When you keep the wrongdoing of someone, you're actually starting to harden your heart towards that person. And not just that person, but other people will begin to feel it. You begin to not like the people that even are close to that person that did this to you. Then you begin to not like people that even remind you of that person. Eventually, that circle gets bigger to the point where even your own family your loved ones is going to be put into that circle because then you're going to feel like all I got is me. Then you put yourself on an island and wonder why you're by yourself. Love is going to make you vulnerable. That may feel like a weakness, but it's not. Love is giving rightfully. Remember, you're not a victim anymore. But when you truly can love, despite the hurt, you can save the nation of Israel. You can save a family. God so loved the world, even when they rejected him in the Old Testament, he still gave his son. And he still is giving the world the church. You are the love of God being shed abroad to this world. If God was to shut his bowels of mercy, what condition would this world be in? There's a hope for this world because God will not stop loving. He cannot. This is why God is love. God cannot numb himself. He cannot because for the, for the three hours where God was angry, the Bible says there was an earthquake. 
the living died and those that were dead became alive. The world was just upside down. When God was mad for three hours, Christ on a cross dead, what? The, the dead became alive and those that were alive died. That's the God we serve. God said, okay, I got to chill. Do not let your love go numb. In the land of the Philistines, when you keep a grudge, it's going to keep you in a, in a place of stillness, at a place where you're just stuck. You won't even know how to love your children properly because you're still stuck on how your father could not love you. Your mother could not love you. So now your child is, is suffering what their grandfather, grandmother did that they don't even know because you had a standstill in your heart. Your love is wax cold. The church needs you and you can't even love the people of God. Why? Because a person in the church did something. So now someone else don't deserve. You're the vessel. You are the clay. That love can still pour through despite what you've been through. Hallelujah. Does your child deserve to have a numb and a callous father and mother because of what you went through? You may think they won't go through it, but they will go through it because your love has been waxed cold. You can think you're loving them. You may even say, I'm going to give them what my parents didn't show them, wouldn't show me. And guess what? You're wrong. Because you didn't heal and you're revenging and avenging yourself, then your kids will watch that. And then they will learn that behavior. And when you do something, they will do the same thing. Because kids, monkey see, monkey do. They will live through your trauma with you. Then they will treat you as you treat them. The person that hurt you. They may not treat the person that hurt you the same way you treated them. But they will treat you how you treated them because you're the person in their place. What are you going to do? Well, if you did it, they did it to you. What they did to you, that's their story. So when you do something to your child or to someone else, what you did is going to remind them the story that you told them. They're going to be like, oh, that's what happened to you. And you doing that to me? All right. Then I'm going to do what you did because I'm learning from you. We got to be careful. You see, the land of the wilderness is to test what's in your heart. It's to prove what's in your heart. Is there still love? Because God wants to make sure throughout the journey that number one thing that's not gone, that doesn't get old, is love. Because he knows once your heart is not in it, once you're numb and you're callous, you do not exist anymore. Man is part feeling. The moment you can't feel, you're not human. 
don't think that you, to be an overcome, you have to overcome how you feel. No. Feelings are part of being human. To love. To hurt. To wrath. To get excited. David says, the one thing I desire. This, you, don't, you don't have to overcome desires. You need to overcome what you desire. But there's natural human feelings and emotions that you have. You're not called to overcome them. You're called to control them and guide them. You're not called to be led by your feelings, but you're called to lead your feelings. You're not called to follow your heart. Hmm. You're called to lead and govern your heart. You're not called to just fall in love. No. Love is a decision. Love is a commitment. Love is a covenant. Hallelujah. That's something that you just fall into. No. Jesus didn't just fall on the cross. Are you serious? He carried. It was a decision. I decided to die for this people. You think he felt like doing it? In the garden, he even said, not my will. I'm done with this. I don't feel like doing it anymore. If love was a feeling, Christ would have stopped. But aren't you glad that he said, I'm going to have to put this feeling to the side. Because even though I feel hurt by those that sold me, I love them anyhow. Father, forgive them, even Judas and Peter that knew not what they did. I'm sorry, Lord. Peter and Judas knew what they did when they did it. Jesus knew that. Peter said, I didn't even know my boy. Jesus heard that and said, looked at him and said, I told you you would betray me. The Bible said Peter ran. Jesus still went on the cross and said, God, forgive even Peter. To the point where Jesus came back and still met with Peter. Peter thought Jesus was done with him. There's a song that we sing that says, My friend, my brother Moses wrote that. There's no one that can love you like Jesus. When you're in the valley, he's always holding your hand. Every time you think he's done with you, he gives you another chance. Oh, what a God. There's no one that can love you like Jesus. It's the love that I feel inside. It's making me love you like a friend. It's making me love you once again. Woo. This is the love. It's the love of the body of Christ. It's the love that I feel inside. My God, do not let the love wax old. Don't let it get old. May it stay renewed day by day. His mercy is renewed day by day. God's mercies never get old, but every morning they rejuvenate. May your love 
do the same. The shoes are never outgrown. Your shoes are never going to outgrow your feet. Your feet is always going to be the size of your shoes. Your shoes are never going to get too big for you or too small for you. You know what shoes represent in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girded with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Look what it says in verse 15. And your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your feet has the sandals of a gospel of peace. That will never outgrow you in the way of the wilderness. Though it may be tough, if you choose to walk this way, you shall have peace in your life that surpass all understanding. There's people in this world that are broken. If you listen to my voice in you're on drugs and you're looking for the next fix. I understand what you're looking for. You're looking for that high. We call it peace. Peace is a state of mind. And if you're looking for peace in all the wrong places and in all the wrong people, I want to introduce you to a man. They call him the Prince of Peace. Jesus. When Jesus in John chapter 13, with his disciples, they were fighting with each other and saying, who is the greatest amongst us? Who is the greatest warrior? Jesus seen that they had the Philistine spirit to always want to fight each other. Who is better? Who is greater? He went and he washed their feet. There's someone listening to me right now that has been seeking peace in their heart and in their mind. The Prince of Peace have lowered himself right now to just wash your feet and give you peace. He wants to give you peace through this podcast, through the voice, through my voice right now. Some people, they don't want to be at war anymore with the person that hurt them. They just want peace. They just want peace. Oh, they're looking for his eager for his peace in their heart and in their mind. They don't want to go to bed and they're at war with this person or these people anymore. At war, feeling that they're always battling and fighting and fighting and fighting. They don't want to revenge it. You don't want to just be at war anymore. But you want peace in your heart. <laughs> There is a way to walk, to have peace. It's called the way of the wilderness. The peace that God wants to give you is not an external peace where everyone sees your life is at rest. Because rest don't always mean peace. Sometimes rest means done. Sometimes rest means comfort, chilling, complete. The peace that God wants to give you is the peace in your heart. That no matter what's happening on the outside, you're at rest on the inside. The peace that the Lord wants to give you is what you've been using 
money, sex, drugs, addictions, lust, pornography, religion, education, family, titles, accolades, career, to do. And it hasn't worked. I want to speak to the person that has been doing all the right things in all the wrong places or all the wrong things in all the right places. You've been getting an education in the world or you just been in the church and never met Jesus. You've been doing right things, wrong places, wrong things, right places, and it's a mixture. You've been mixing wine and water instead of letting the Lord change your water into wine. You're trying to mix too much. And we're in a time where things is, the drinks is better when you mix a lot. <laughs> God wants it clear. God wants the water. He wants it transparent. When God sees in your heart, you have pure intentions. And you want peace and not war. You want peace and not revenge. You would rather wear shoes, sandals of peace, than have an armor or a helmet or sword from the Philistines. When God sees you want to change outfits. You see, either you put on a robe and some sandals or you put on an arm and have a sword. Choose. But the David that I knew in the Bible said, I don't want that armor. I'm good with sandals and five smooth stones. If you're seeking peace, make sure your peace that you're seeking is not revenge from God for your enemy than to feel okay. If that's the case, it'll never happen. That by the time it happens, you spend so long at war that you won't really spend time in abundance or in peace. The longer you spend at war, the longer you'll take to find peace. But if you find peace today with what happened, you'll never be at war again. If you're in a position where you're easily irritated, it's to rob you of the peace in your heart and in your mind. And the Lord wants to save you from that. I want to speak to me. I want you to speak to yourself. How many of you have a false level of peace? At home, your home that's supposed to be a place of peace is not at peace. The Bible says that Israel was always at war with the Philistines. The Philistines would not let them go. David will come home and then he'll have another battle. I don't know who needed to hear this or who needs to hear this. But you need to know that the way of the wilderness 
It may be long, but it'll be an eternity in peace. Because Jesus forgave the world, forgave Israel that put him on a cross, and forgave Peter, even Judas, he forgave. Judas didn't, just didn't forgive himself because he thought his brothers would not forgive him and he thought Jesus would never forgive him either. Because the Lord forgave, there was hope for a church. How many people will you give hope to if you forgave and not avenge? You see, there's a song we like to sing. C'est chemin ça, le Seigneur montre-moi. C'est chemin ça, qui satisfait dans moi. Moi, va arrêter dans route ça, pour m'vin commenter mon petit. C'est chemin ça, le Seigneur montre-moi. You see the way of the wilderness? This is what the song is saying. This is the way. This way that God has given us, He will also establish a tabernacle, a place of worship. He will also give us our identity here. I want to encourage y'all. Do not, do not let what has happened to you make you want to avenge from old hatred. and rob you of your blessing. I would rather you spend your years in peace with love and you get to your promised destination. You're going to be called to love your enemies. You're called to love those that hurt you. And they are called to love you because you've also hurt people too. This podcast is not for us to be put in the seat of a victim we have to also realize we've hurt people too sometimes and most of the time out of our own hurt because when someone else has done something to us it reminds us so we gotta just push them off we need to be careful i want to speak to a generation of young men that are killing out of their strength but preaching peace out of philosophy there's a ministry arising of young men and young women that will preach about Jesus, that will preach about the peace in Jerusalem, but they will kill like the Philistines. I'm speaking to you that is living on both grounds. My friend likes to say the body of Christ is Jerusalem, which is above. Matter of fact, the book of Hebrews says that our mother, which is from above, Zion, Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, the body of Christ. We're here. Brothers, sisters, let's put down the sword. When David killed Goliath, 
he cut off Goliath's head with his own sword. Meaning, the sword you live by is the sword you shall die by. If you live like a Philistine, you will die like a Philistine. But if you live like a Hebrew, with forgiveness and peace in your heart, they will carry your bones into the promised land. Because even your eternal life, your life after death, shall be full of peace and love. Because you forgave and he was healed, Joseph. Shalom. I want to invite you. Let's go on this journey together using the four stones. Remember, being spiritual is not just doing what the Bible says alone, but it's becoming the very word himself. Hallelujah!